it's not just this process of education being from an expert to a novice, but it's actually a horizontal process as well, where you have this great privilege of working together with students from around the continent or lecturers that are perhaps from very different settings, actually being able to band together and learn from one another. Mark Peterson here on the Heart of Mission podcast. Africa. More Christians in Africa than on any other continent on planet Earth. There has been massive gospel growth there over the last century, especially in sub-Saharan Africa. It's been such a significant transformation that some have suggested that Africa is the center of world Christianity. What does that mean? I'm not sure, but I reckon we will see over time. A few things are pretty clear already, however. The massive growth, along with the growth in Latin America and Asia, is changing the shape and the face of the global church. Christianity never was a white faith, and of course, one of the things about our biblical hope that we have is that every tribe, tongue, and people group will be represented around Christ's throne. That's always been our trajectory. But Christians with white skin are certainly in the minority these days. Having said that, there have been significant parts of history where Western Christians have played a disproportionately significant role, particularly in global mission and leadership of global movements. But this is changing. Mission is no longer from the West to the rest. And I admit I've been a little bit slow to the party in getting my head around this one. So what does this mean for a mission agency like CMS? Should we still be sending missionaries to places like Africa? And if you do go to Africa, what would you do? And are you even needed? That word needed, we'll come back to it. But wouldn't it be better to keep as many of our people here as possible anyway, where the church is facing great opposition and hostility? Surely we need all hands on deck. Mike and Karen Rowe are my guests for today's episode of The Heart of Mission. They are serving at George Whitfield College, GWC, in Cape Town, South Africa. Mike, as a lecturer in theology, and Karen, through an initiative called TEDS, is working in the area of developing the quality and effectiveness of theological education not only in South Africa, but right across Africa and even further afield, it turns out. At one point, I ask a question and Karen passes it to Mike to answer, but interjects with something else she wants to say. And I'm so glad she did because her interjection is gold. Are we needed? She asks. Are we special in some way? Or is there another way to think about the opportunities to serve in a place like Africa? Should the West still be sending missionaries to Africa? I think the Lord still has plenty of extraordinary work for Westerners to be doing on that rapidly changing and exciting continent. Countless souls around the world who do not know Jesus and can't easily access the gospel. This is the heart of mission. What small role can you play in God's big world? Missionaries, cross-cultural specialists, pastors, their stories and perspectives can really help us. Thanks for joining us. Grab a cuppa and strap in as we demystify, decode and de-stress the great challenges of cross-cultural mission. Mike and Karen Rowe, it's great to have you on the Heart of Mission podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, you're on your second home assignment, having done two tours. You did your first tour in Namibia, and now you've done another tour in South Africa. And in all of this process, you've gained quite a bit of exposure to Africa 
generally. There's a few reasons for that. But but tell us, where did, where, first of all, where did the idea of Africa come from? To be honest, um, the idea for me came a long time before I was even a believer. Uh, my main contact with the church growing up for a long time was a uh, missions conference run by the Australian Baptist Missionary Society here in Adelaide. And they ran a camp every year introducing, it started off like as a pen pal program to try and get children in churches in Adelaide to become pen friends uh, with missionary kids. And so from when I was eight till I was 18, I actually went on this camp. Each year, they would just cycle around different countries that there were different ABMS missionaries involved in. So I kind of grew up learning a lot about these different parts of the world, but I had no idea why anyone would ever actually go and do it. It was something to do with God, something to do with Jesus, but for me, I just knew that that's not what I wanted to do. But at university, when I actually did come uh, to faith, I understood the gospel, or like a light bulb went off in my head. Maybe it was the Lord. Um, and I suddenly realized why people would actually just go around the world to proclaim the gospel. Um, and from that moment, I really started thinking about doing it. And for me, um, it's probably just simply I, I never re- really enjoyed the, the years where we did the other countries, but I did gravitate towards the Africa. Yeah, so that's something as simple as that for me. And for me, it was also, um, I had a general interest in mission, particularly watching my auntie and uncle go back and um, forwards to the Middle East where they served for many years. And I guess that planted seeds in my own heart, seeing my grandma have this massive um, world map on her wall and she was always praying for various missionaries and that was sort of a little bit of a part of our DNA um, growing up. And then when Mike and I met and married, We both knew that we were keen on mission, but we actually, um, he'd brought us both individually to this place where we were open to just saying, Lord, we are actually prepared to go wherever, whether it's a country that is, you know, actually wealthy, relatively speaking, um, people are actually still gospel poor. Um, I'd had a chance to go to Cambodia and Germany within the course of one year and and really um, he brought me to that realisation at the end of that time. And so I guess as we got married, we um, perhaps it wasn't a surprise to the Lord, but it was to us that in our first three months, we were invited to actually go on a youth kind of trip where we spent a little bit of time with Sudanese refugees um, up in Egypt and we spent some time in Rwanda and Kenya as well. Um, and I think actually the Lord in his sovereignty, who would have thought, um, he knew what he was preparing for because that was also a time of planting seeds for us where we thought that Mike would finish Bible college and then we would be off. We were so gung-ho and yet it actually took 10 years before CMS sent us overseas on our first placement. But it was almost like in those first three months, we had opportunity to have perceived and um, really wrestled with a number of big things that we encountered at that time in the context of that group in those different countries. Um, And obviously dialoguing with people who we met and hearing their stories and learning from them Um, that actually really shaped our thinking um, and our hearts in terms of this passion that the Lord kept on growing over those 10 years for theological education um, and particularly in an African context. Um, And so that was sort of part of our journey of him shaping us and leading and guiding us to a point of where we were then finally sent to Southern Africa. Okay, so there's lots of Christians in Africa. Um, in fact, more Christians in Africa than any other continent, right? Mm-hmm. So Indeed. why do they need missionaries? 
Yeah, so uh, for many years now, Africa has been uh, notionally the center of world Christianity. I think the, the statistically speaking, the average Christian in the world today is a, a female African Pentecostal. I, th- I think that's the, the, the general line. And it's true, there are a lot of churches in a lot of places, certainly are in sub-Saharan Africa. North Africa is very different, but if we just talk about sub-Saharan Africa, the proportion of the population that identifies as Christian is something in the order of 40%, uh, which is significant. But again, it's, it's only 40%. So there is obviously still a lot of unreached people there, and there is a need for people to just to go out and proclaim the gospel. Um, at the same time, there are a lot of churches there, and there are some places where for actually many years now, it's been right that actually missionaries have stepped aside, pulled back, and actually the national leadership has grown and flourished. Part of the problem is talking about Africa is like, we tend to think of it as being one thing, but it's really many different things. And that's true both uh, across the different countries, but also the different churches. So there's yeah, I think there's opportunities to serve. Certainly not like what it was 400 years ago. It's not like what it was 100 years ago. Actually, not like what it was even when I was a child. Probably want to say I was, I was 40 years ago is when I first went on those, those kids' camps and things have changed so much since then. But there are still many things that actually whereby as the church partners together, there are still many ways in which there are many opportunities to serve. Uh, in ways that are will be really beneficial. And I think a big part of that is actually serving in the context of raising up leaders um, and coming alongside to actually serve in that capacity. I just remember a student, you haven't mentioned this, Mike, but we served in Namibia for three years and that was our first placement. And I remember this one student telling me that he could actually visually see if he stood in one spot in um, the north of Namibia, he could see numbers of different churches from this one spot And we can say the same thing in Adelaide, but the difference was that he just said in terms of the leadership that was in place there, they actually hadn't had opportunity to be equipped with God's word, to be discipled. Um, And often it was just a case of something had happened in this particular house church, they didn't like it, so this person went off and decided to set themselves up in another area and became a leader there. So in terms of unity, in terms of growth, in terms of um, perhaps training opportunities, that's something that we've certainly heard from Namibians and South Africans and certainly a lot of the students that come down to GWC say actually the opportunity to be able to be trained in God's word and to be able to handle that faithfully and to lead others effectively in a way that is culturally relevant is actually um, a really important factor. Okay, so you're involved in theological education. You're at GWC, George Whitfield College in Cape Town. What are you hoping to do there, um, and, and who's coming there, and, and how are you hoping to help them? Um, yeah, so I, I, I teach theology, biblical theology, uh, and ethics to a range of students who some may have just recently finished high school uh, and has very little ministry experience. Some may have actually been pastoring churches for many years with um, a qualification from another, uh, in another country like in South Sudan. And they're coming to be trained uh, in order to go back and be a lecturer. And so you're going to get a real diversity in terms of backgrounds, experiences, and also Christian maturity, um, just because the world is complicated. And so we're really just there to actually help students grow in their confidence in Scripture, their confidence in the gospel, and to be just to be discipled to actually just go 
into whatever ministry the Lord calls them to actually disciple those that the Lord gives them to disciple. As I think about your ministry, I just I see it as being incredibly strategic because I think of these people who are potentially then going back to their countries across the continent and potentially having 20, 30, we hope, maybe more years in pastoral ministry, ministry and, and leadership in their church. What and, and you've also talked about the diversity, both the cultural diversity, also the education level diversity, whole range of different things. Yeah, actually church background as well. It's not like we everyone comes from one particular flavour. It's uh, very uh, flavoursome. So plenty of flavour, plenty of <laughs> <Yeah>. diversity. <laughs> what, um, what do they need? Like if they're going to have 20 or 30 years of faithful ministry and you've got one you know, one class and they've got, you've got all this diversity in the class. What, what are the things that you absolutely need to focus on to make this work? Sure. Well, the first thing they need is to know Christ. Okay. And I, I don't say that flippantly, actually. Um, when we were in Namib- Namibia, I got to do more evangelism in Namibia than I had since I was working as an engineer in Adelaide. Uh, even though I was working at a Bible college, but, but somehow I ended up as the academic dean and interviewing applicants to come. And the number of students that, that apply and then I come and I'd interview them, it was just a great chance to actually to see where they're at and to actually realize they don't really understand the gospel. They just, some of them would come thinking that it's a way to get a well-paid job. But so you just proclaim the gospel, share with them and uh, point them to a, a helpful church and say, yeah, come back next year and see you again. So obviously they, they need Christ. But at the same time, um, if they're going to minister well for 30, 40 years, then they um, need to be able to handle Scripture faithfully, um, you know, and to preach clearly in a way that's both faithful to the gospel, faithful to Scriptures, but is also able to understand the communities that they're ministering to and actually how to actually speak God's Word into that. So if you like, they need the same kind of things that we need. (laughs) Um, and I think in the past we have thought of mission as, well, you just walk around scattering seed and the Lord will make it grow. That's right. But actually the, the Lord's plan for mission involves the church and local churches. And as we see in the New Testament, that the Lord gifts and raises up leaders for the church that actually he sets apart um, to, to nourish and to, to, to care for. So pretty much they need exactly what we need here. Karen, you've had some really interesting opportunities emerge for you recently. When you first turned up in Cape Town, you you met some um, missionaries who were serving there as well, but from the UK, and they were involved in uh, adult education side of things, and they had skills in that area. They've encouraged you to develop skills because you also had a real interest and an aptitude in that whole adult education side of things. And now you're actually connected with this TEDS group, the Theological Education Development yeah, Services. Thank you. And um, this has meant, this has taken you right across Africa and it's taken you online right across the world and in a range of different ways. Tell us about adult education. I mean, so we've just heard from Mike about how there's been all that diversity Why is it important to be thinking about the adult education sort of mode in this whole theological education endeavour? Yeah, I think um, there's a real desire amongst Bible colleges to understand that obviously we're handling the Word of God, or these colleges are, wanting to raise up people who are faithful disciples and leaders. 
And they want to do that in the most effective way possible. And to some degree, I don't know, it probably feels like it's higher stakes somehow because you're thinking, wow, like we get this opportunity to actually learn more about what it means to know God and to bring other people, you know, to hear more about what he's like and um, to live a life that, you know, is worthy of following him. So I think there there is this sense of, wow, like there's this great opportunity here to do this. And so I think with that comes this um, notion of wanting to do that and to steward that opportunity really well. Um, and so really this idea of TEDS was birthed historically through a Bible college in Tanzania, actually approaching my colleagues and just saying, do you know what? We have lecturers here who they know and love the Lord and that she really want to serve him well and serve their students well. However, when it comes to adult education, they don't have a teaching background. They've actually spent their time and energy to study God's word. So how do we marry these things? How do we ensure actually that we can um, handle God's word well, but in a way that's actually really engaging to our students? So it's not just this notion of um, stand and deliver and expect that somehow like the information from the lecturer's notes will magically appear on the student's notes and they'll be transformed in the process, you know. Okay, so just tell us what's wrong with stand and deliver. Why? Why? Because why? that's you know, pretty typical. It is typical. Yeah. Do you know, I think that it has its place 100%. Like it's not this um, polar opposites, you know, that we're bringing out these um, magical new ideas that people haven't been operating with. I think it's just a case of um, stepping back and recognising there's a place for these really big ideas that people get the opportunity to sit and wrestle with as they study theology and ethics and church history and all these things, they have the opportunity to be set apart to do that for a number of years. And there is a certain, like obviously copious amounts of reading that um, go into that and certain times where lecturing is appropriate, 100%. I think with that is some tools that are built into this course that actually come come alongside lecturers and say, okay, how can we actually gauge whether the lecturers who are teaching students um, actually can assess how much has been taken on board and how these students engaging to the point that they then know how they would like to use these skills in future contexts. So it's sort of, um, if you like, a bit of a litmus test to say, okay, this information has been put out there where are they up to? Let's just actually stop and, and and collect ourselves on that front. And how are we engaging them so that it's not just this process of education being like, you know, from an expert to a novice, um, but it's actually a horizontal process as well, where, as we've mentioned, you have this great privilege of working together with students from around the continent or lecturers that are perhaps from very different settings, actually being able to band together and learn from one another. So I think adult education is much more than just kind of a top-down approach, but it's this collaborative um, serving together, learning together, um, growing together in order to ensure best practice. So that's really the heartbeat behind TEDS. So Okay, so is it working and is it going to work given the cultures in which you're often speaking into where there is a often a desire to respect the teacher, mm. whatever the teacher says goes, and how do you wrestle with that question? Mm. From the sense that you are used to actually really uh, showing respect to the person who's in the front and therefore not posing any questions of them, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the sort of thing where the course has been actually really well structured in that because there is a year break between the first and the third phase, 
I think there's actually a lot of time in there and flex for lecturers to work out what they can almost call like a teaching experiment. So the encouragement is that over the course of that year, they can actually just try different things. It might be a case study um, style that they might use as one of the modules that they're doing for church history, or it might be quite an inductive way of operating in terms of asking students to actually find out their local church history, bringing that back into the context of the classroom, having discussions around that and using that as a springboard for then talking about various aspects of historical church history. So just kind of finding those bridges and um, ways in which you sort of go from the known to the unknown for students so that actually education or that the education process can be as fruitful as possible, particularly given the content that they're working with. Mm. I don't know if that's really answered your question. It's very helpful. I think as I think about both of you guys, you're both in, in this incredibly strategic situation. I mean, that word, obviously, use that, overuse it. But, you know, Mike, with your connection with the pastors and the leaders of tomorrow, Karen, with your involvement with the teachers within the educational um, system. And so there's another um, multiplying effect there that you're able to influence not only the GWC lecturers, but also lecturers in other colleges around the world. This is, you know, for those of us who are looking for multiplication principle, like you, Rose, that you're doing really well. But I, I want to stop though and step back and just think about God and Africa and the big picture. Um, and and what, what do you think God is doing in Africa? What do you think um, the, you know, try and, I mean, you can't try and be a prophet, can you? But what, what, what does it look like going forward in Africa? Can I give um, Mike that question and just quickly interject with a super quick comment? Um, I just want to say as well, like, I think there is a sense to which in going on mission that they're, like, the Lord is on about um, so many great different things that he's doing in his world. And he actually doesn't need any of us to do those things. And I think it is actually, a tremendous privilege to just partner with what he is already doing. And I think what we would say as part of our story before Mike answers that question is that it's actually always been a surprise what he's opened up for us to be involved in. There hasn't ever been this sense of like, we have these grand designs for world domination or we want to be strategic. Like, yes, we want to be strategic. We want to actually steward the um, opportunities that we've had in Australia and the resources that we've had at our disposal, that's been our heart. We want to actually serve well with what we've been given. But it's not like we've sort of had these great ideas and thought, hey, let's just go and do this. It's sort of been one small step at a time. And so I do think for other people that are thinking about mission, that is actually what the Lord is asking them to do, that it's just putting one foot in front of another but she's really trusting that he knows where he'll lead them and how he's going to prepare them to get to something else. So it's not like we sort of thought, okay, here's a script and we want to do these things. And nor do we think that it's like, yes, it's exciting and it's and it's fulfilling, but it's also very challenging. But it's not like because we are special or we've done something extra special to be doing what we're doing. But actually in his kindness, he's given us these things for this time and we just actually want to humbly serve him. So anyway, that's my interjection. Yeah, and honestly, actually, I'm I'm very thankful that I think it's very strategic for me as a lecturer um, in a very culturally diverse setting to have a wife who uh, can help me think through the educational things and actually how to help my students learn rather than just help me teach. And I think that's the the, the big thing with the TEDs that I found helpful doing the course 
is that it's quite funny. It's actually something that's actually very Augustinian um, in terms of this. We don't just teach students. Uh, we actually help them learn. And actually helping them learn where they're at is really important. So I, I think it is strategic, but particularly for me, uh, to actually think through that. Now, so when we talk about things like, you know, well, Africa is the center of global Christianity, so why would anyone go? Well, yeah, practically speaking, then yeah, there, are, is, there are lots of ways that we can to the church. And I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast will know that there are many different challenges in churches um, in Africa, just like there are in Australia. And certainly a lot of our students do come out of contexts that uh, have theologized, theology that emphasize success now in, in all areas of life. But yeah, they come wanting to know, actually, what does it mean to actually help their churches to take up their cross and follow Christ? So that's, that's, so yeah, there are lots of opportunities for that. But also we can't just think about what the church is today. We actually need to recognize that actually the church in Africa is actually rapidly changed, but the continent itself is also, is, it's, it's already experiencing massive challenges and transitions that actually really affect the future of the church. So in, in 2015, the United Nations put out its uh, latest world population forecasts, looking forward to the end of this century to 2100. I don't even know what we're gonna, how, how we're going to say that. I don't think I'll be there, so that's fine. I'll let that, the future generations work out how, the, the pronunciation. You know, we all know that currently there's about 4 billion people in Asia. So China and India are both over the 1 billion, well and truly. And there's currently about 1 billion in the whole of Africa. But what kind of struck me when I, when I realized this, um, when, I, when I saw the statistics, is that the United Nations forecast that actually by the end of this century, Asia will, as a, as a region, will still approximately be about as big as it is now. Uh, it's experienced its major growth over the past 100 years. Whereas for a lot of, reason, a lot of compli complicated reasons, um, the United Nations forecasts that actually by the end of this century, the population on the continent of Africa will be as large as what Asia is now. Now, that's actually, a, if you think about that, that's it's going from growth. a mm. billion people now to four billion people in 80-odd years' time. Now, to me, I just think, well, yeah, there might be a lot of Christians, but actually there's still another three billion people to be born and to grow and to be discipled. And I think the future of the church in Africa is actually, it's, it's incumbent on the, the global church to support the church in Africa so that they can disciple the generations that are going to emerge. Um, so, you know, I, I just think of children's ministry, uh, youth ministries, it's a boom industry in Africa over the next 80 years. But what th that means is actually, I think, just helping the church to be disciple-making and nurturing is, is key. Uh, another question that springs to my mind about Africa, I guess, is the, the fact that parts of Africa, there's huge church growth. Other parts of Africa, there's hardly any church at all. Yep. It's Muslim majority. It's um, very, very hard ground for the gospel. What's your thought about that? I mean, that's presumably going to be expanding as well. We know that Islam is growing faster than Christianity in the world as well. And uh, what's, what's that look like? Uh, well, it looks like a lot of things. So in the north of Namibia, when we were there, um, there was uh, a very much a concerted effort 
um, by some Muslim groups to uh, build mosques and to um, convert the local population. There was one prison where the vast majority of the populace of the prison did convert. Now, that's an interesting tale in itself as to why they would do that. So certainly it, it is, uh, there are complicated things. I, I think one thing I think we do need to think about is um, the more developed southern nations in Africa are, uh, have got increasingly tight controls on immigration in bits and pieces. Um, but in a lot of the, for much of the African continent, actually there is a much more fluid movement of people uh, from country to country. And certainly, I, th- I think while historically the North, North Africa has been certainly f- many fewer Christians, I, I think it, the reality is it, if, the, if the, the African church can grow in its confidence as being a missionary church who is actually called to reach out to its um, gospel poor neighbours, then, then I think actually there we have a great impetus to actually see that actually you know, the church in Australia building and strengthening disciple-making churches in Africa is actually a great way to actually see the gospel reach further north. So, yeah, it's complex, complex and certainly geopolitical issues, economic issues are, are going to see big changes. But I, I really believe that the Lord will sovereignly use all of it to actually glorify Christ. We know that actually he does that through his church which is a great privilege. And so I think just strengthening the church where it's at, uh, we can trust the Lord that he will keep moving them on. I mean, look at the book of Acts. The Lord used persecution to actually get the gospel out. So It's been great to think about Africa as a continent. And in some ways that's massive overreach, isn't it? Like how do you actually make conclusions about a continent? But yeah, I guess just to wrap up then, you know, you've already suggested that there is a great, there are great opportunities in theological education. Uh, that's why you guys are in it. But also with the growth of children and youth, there's going to be children and youth ministry and and student ministry that's yeah. going to continue to be very, very significant in Africa. Just to finish, if there was someone thinking, you know, oh, look, why, why should I go to Africa? Um, what would you say to that person? Mm. I think it's a great question. I think, um, I mean, the first the first thing to work out is with people around you, do you have skills and gifts that mean that you can handle God's word well um, and um, I guess a willingness to be able to to go and, and to serve in that way um, and a willingness to actually be trained cross-culturally so that actually as you go in um, at CMS, we like to talk about vulnerable mission and there is this sense of going in as a learner um, being aware that actually we have our own cultural blind spots. Uh, we're not going in as saviours, um, but actually just going into partner with what God is actually already doing um, through his church and and being aware that actually there are um, some ways that God in his kindness uses um, the gifts that you have been given to be able to um, serve his people and to build them up. Because, um, yeah, as you were saying, it's part of that, um, his church being built to maturity um, and his global church that is uh, all going to be together around his throne um, when we know that Christ returns and we'll get to be there together on that last day. So I think that's the goal that we're working towards. And I think a, a very um, concrete part of that is is working to build um, build up leaders uh, in Africa. And I think that's where 
they would also say that they have the greatest need because I think if you're a leader who understands the culture well, you're able to serve in South Sudan um, or in Uganda in a way that I actually can't, but I can come alongside you and keep pointing you to God's faithful character in his word, what he has promised, who he is, and I can actually care for you well in that way. But actually um, my student or whoever it is that I'm working with in Cape Town actually is better equipped uh, to actually be perhaps training and equipping um, other leaders in their local context too. And then there's the language component, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but God works in all sorts of different ways. So that's perhaps what I'd say. Your thoughts, Mike? My thoughts, uh, I think when I was a young, when I first came to Christ, I think I had a, a, a sense that, oh, you know, um, of course I want to become a missionary because there's such a great need, therefore I'm needed. Now, I, I would say to anyone is that if you think you're going because you're needed, don't go because the Lord is sovereign. He's got plenty of Christians there already. He can do whatever he wants. But if you've got a willingness to serve and if the Lord is nudging in that direction, then, it, then actually take that seriously. It's, it's a great joy. I, I think, um, and it's an expression of love for the God's Global Church of actually just building up one another. You know, I love the start of, of Romans, the letter of Romans, where Paul is saying, I, I really want to come so that I can uh, encourage you. But actually what I mean is that you, we can encourage one another. I think there's a beautiful, that, that's a beautiful picture, I think, of what mission in Africa looks like. It's actually being mutually encouraged and built up. It's being blessed by the church in Africa as we seek to actually bless them. Um, and the Lord can and will use all sorts of things. Uh, I can see a day where I won't be able to get a visa as a Christian to go back into a lot of countries there, even with a PhD. Um, but actually, um, if you've got a PhD, if I had a PhD in engineering, uh, I'm sure I could stay there for the next 50 years. Um, and actually just still, you know, going in, serving the local church, discipling people in the local church so that they can be encouraged, strengthened, I think. Yeah. There's so many opportunities, but it's about, about humbly serving the church, not going there to think that they need us. Guys, thanks so much for lifting our eyes to a, a distant horizon, but really quite an exciting and energizing horizon. And, and it's so great the way God has placed you and the, the sorts of opportunities that you have. And yet, as you remind us, it's it's not actually person critical, is it? It's a it's the Holy Spirit has got sovereignty over the whole church, and that's so good. Thanks so much, Mike and Karen Rowe, for being with us on the Heart of Mission podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Mike. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us on the Heart of Mission podcast. What small role can you be playing in God's big plans? To find out more about CMS and opportunities that might be there for you, search us on the web to find your local branch and local social media channels. CMS is a fellowship of Christian people and churches committed to global mission. We work together to set apart long-term workers who cross cultures to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for a world that knows Jesus. See you next time.